Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. some time ago, a few years ago, and in fact, it was on a Heritage Sunday that he was with us, and he was referencing this passage, Why Do the Heathen Rage? And he made the statement, Why Do the Heathen Rage? It's because that's what heathens do. And that sounded simple enough, but in an effort to be a little bit more specific here tonight, I believe that there could be multiple reasons why that the heathens rage. First of all, because they feel the condemnation of their ways. Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. Uh, When light comes, it condemns. So anywhere that truth is stood for, Truth is declared or truth is preached. Can I tell you that it brings condemnation upon darkness? Light brings condemnation upon darkness. When truth is preached, it is revealed, uh, it is shared, it is stood for, it is believed, uh, whether it be you, me, or anybody, that automatically condemns those that stand in opposition to truth. And I don't know what it is about those that oppose truth. Rarely are they ever content just to be satisfied in their own little corner of the world and uh, continue on in their own personal rebellion, but they want followers and they want people uh, to go with them. And they're not content as long as there's one that is standing for truth and there's one that is believing and holding to the truth. It is a testimony against them. And there's many people in this place that is a testimony against the powers of hell. There's many people in this place that is a testimony against the powers of the devil. There's many folks in this house here tonight that uh, because truth came, because you received the truth, the Bible said when the spirit of truth has come, it will lead you and guide you into all truth. And then it tells us that the truth will make us what? free. So there's no freedom like truth. Praise God. And uh, truth is something that is very demonstrative because it said it would make you free. There's power in this, not just to set you free, but to make you free, deliver you. Praise the Lord. Anybody ever been bound and been delivered? The truth has the power to do that. Anybody ever been incarcerated by the powers of sin, but you're set free, you're delivered, you're made free here tonight by the power of truth. But sin has an insatiable appetite. No matter how much room that you give the devil, he's always wanting more. No matter how much you compromise to the devil, he always wants more. You, You have to draw a line somewhere. You have to make a stand somewhere. You have to set your footing at some point and decide that this is where I'm going to stand, and I'm not going to give any more to the devil because 
Satan is never satisfied. Sin is insatiable. Praise the Lord. Uh, The Bible tells us that the pattern of sin is this, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. If you surrender territory to the enemy tonight, I promise you, by tomorrow, he'll be back asking for more. If you surrender some consecration to the devil tonight, I promise you he'll be back knocking on your door tomorrow because that's just the way it is. He is never satisfied. James said, when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth, it flourishes into sin. And sin, when it is finished, it's a progressive work, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. That's the end result. You say, well, it's just a little thing. It's just a small situation. It's not a big deal. I've got control over this. That's kind of like saying you've got control over Ebola. Amen. How many believes that the government's got control over Ebola? Nobody has confidence that they do. And the more time goes on, the more concerned we get that maybe they're just feeding us a line. Well, don't lie to yourself. You cannot control sin. Praise the Lord. No more than you can control uh, certain things, certain epidemics and situations. You cannot control sin. And can I tell you that sin is the worst epidemic that there is in this world. Praise the Lord. And it's going to progress to the point, it's going to lead to the point of bringing death and destruction And so, James tells us the finished product of sin is death. And we see this progression throughout the Word of God. Many, many characters in the Bible. Samson, the enemy doesn't just want your secret, just doesn't want your consecration, doesn't just want you to back off, uh, but the enemy uh, wants to go further than that. Doesn't just want to neutralize you, but the enemy wants to make a mockery out of you. It wants your enemies, the Philistines that you used to slay, that you used to have power and authority over, it wants them to mock you. Can I tell you that that's what the devil wants to do to every child of God is to make you a mockery, to destroy your reputation, the things that you used to have authority over in the spirit, the things that you used to have victory over and have conquered in your life. The devil wants those things uh, to reestablish themselves and uh, over time have control over you and make a mockery out of you. The things you used to stand against, the things you used to wouldn't tolerate, the things you used to have a conviction about. Suddenly he wants you to let all of that down and just make a mockery out of you, a buffoon out of you. Amen? That's, That's what... The devil wants to do, and he's doing it to people, people that are walking away from truth, people that are walking away from things that they stood for and believed and and held strong to. I'm going to tell you this doctrine is not something to be tampered with. This doctrine is not something that we can decide uh, to extract certain parts out of it because it doesn't agree with us and our flesh and our carnality. It must be taken, uh, all of it, all together and received 
and incorporate it into our life and become a part of our very fiber if we're going to make heaven. you got to love the truth, the Bible said, or you'll believe a lie and be damned. That, that a strong, a spirit of a strong delusion will come to you. I'm going to tell you, I am realizing in this hour that the most important thing for a child of God to get is a love for the truth. You got to get a love for the truth. You got to become passionate about it. It cannot be just one of these deals that you're just passive about. That, yeah, 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 I believe in one God. Yeah, 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 I believe in. In Jesus' name. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I believe you've got to repent. I believe you've got to get baptized. I, 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 yeah, I believe in the Holy Ghost stuff. And, well, but I can't, really, I can't really tell you that people that are not obedient to the new birth, uh, the John 3, 5 experience, and the Acts 2, 38, I can't really tell you that they're not saved. Well, let me tell you if you can't tell them. Because the Bible said you must be born again. To inherit the kingdom of God. There's no way around that. Praise the Lord. That's ground that I'm not going to give to the devil. That's territory that we fought too long for in Pentecost to be surrendering in the last day. Oh, no. I'm not going to become neutral on that. I believe that you've got to receive a love for that. You've got to have a passion for that. If you're going to make heaven, you've got to realize that's what sets us apart. That's what is required to be saved. That's what it takes for me to be able to make it. Praise the Lord. There's no exception clause when it comes to the gospel. It's the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection that is applied to our life through repentance, death, baptism, buried, and Holy Ghost resurrected. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful that you've been obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You've got to receive a love for that. And uh, we have other examples such as Judas. The enemy doesn't just want to cause you to betray the Lord, Judas. The enemy doesn't just want you to feel anguish as a result of betraying him. He doesn't just want you to throw your silver on the floor of the Sanhedrin and feel bad about it. He wants to go further than that. He wants you to be at the end of a hangsman, hangman's noose and your bowels gushing out into the way, and you're eventually buried in the potter's field, which was for vagrants, when you could have been an apostle. When you were a disciple close to the Lord, walking and seeing and being an eyewitness to his ministry, that's what the devil wants to do. So why do the heathen rage and... In this question, it says, and the people imagine a vain thing. Now, we understand that it talks about in, in Psalms 1 about, it, it, it talks about the righteous or the godly meditating on his law or his word day and night. Here it talks about the ungodly. They're meditating too. They're imagining too. But they're imagining vain things. you see the difference? And I'm going to tell you, we're living in that day when people are imagining and coming up with things. And it's gotten to the point that it is further out than we ever thought it could become. The acceptance of things that we never thought would be accepted. We thought, yeah, maybe in Europe, maybe, maybe across the world somewhere, but not here in America. And I'm going to tell you, it's happening right here in Texarkana 
And if you can imagine it taking place right here in Texarkana, you can imagine what it's like probably in New York City or Los Angeles or some of the other places. Some of the things that we're seeing, the encroachment of the enemy and the devil and the acceptance of things that we used to not accept. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's an agenda behind all of this. You think that that the heathen's just raging and uh, they're just out there with their babble, but they've got an agenda behind what they're doing. That's why the church better be about its purpose. It better be about its mission. It better be involved in its cause because the world is very passionate about their cause. The world is very passionate about what they're doing. Yeah, just recently there was a ruling. I was listening on the radio, radio uh, NPR, God forgive me. Every once in a while you got to get some balance in your life, turn on NPR and you fall off on the left side. But anyhow, I was listening to Supreme Court case that just came down recently where the Supreme Court refused to make a judgment on same-sex marriage and put it back to the states to do that. So it could be decided state by state. And liberals and conservatives were aggravated or mad because uh, they felt like that was a gutless decision. They should have at least made a decision one way or the other. Of course, the liberals were hoping that they'd make a decision to open it wide open, and then the conservatives would uh, hoping that they'd make a decision to, to close the door and, and all of the uh, states that have already allowed that those same-sex unions would be annulled or be worthless, and, but it didn't happen. You know why? It's because there's such raging from the heathen to accept me the way I am. Well, uh, God doesn't accept people the way they are, contrary to what you think. He accepts them at an altar of repentance, He accepts them according to his word. Amen. When they come according to his word, they could have been involved in anything out there. But when they come to an altar, the only way to get accepted by God is to repent of your sins. God's not going to accept your sin. God's not going to live and adjust to your sin. You're going to have to adjust yourself to God's word. Amen. But because there's heathens that are raging, because heathens are raging, then there is this attitude that we we, you know, it's usually it's usually the squeaky squeaky wheel that gets the grease is our our little saying. It's the one that yells the most, that gets the most attention, and that seems to be true in this world. And I'm not I'm not at all advocating. Matter of fact, I think it's retarded for any of us to go and uh, be characterized with those crazy folks like Westboro Baptist Church that gets picket signs and goes to those funerals and all that kind of stuff. And that's ludicrous. That's dumb. That's disrespectful. And their cause is, is hurting things, and they, they're misguided in what they're, what they're trying to do. But uh, I, I do think that we better step it up when it comes to prayer. I do think we need to step it up when it comes to our personal lives and standing for something, and realizing, amen, that we are being encroached upon, and we have to make up our mind where we're going to draw 
the battle lines? Where, where are we going to, what are we going to accept? What are we going to get, get, get just uh, an attitude of acceptance and, and, and the next thing comes down the pike and the next thing comes down the pike? Come on, folks. It's time to shake ourselves to our spiritual senses and realize this is a battlefield. We better stand for truth. We better stand for righteousness. We better live for God. We better love this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We better love this. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And so David is speaking here. This psalm is attributed to David in Acts chapter 2. A lot of theologians are are not sure, but I, I read over here in the book of Acts where it said, it spoke of David and uh, attributed this psalm to him. And so David is prophetically speaking here of the coming of the Messiah. And there are those that raged against him then. I'm talking about when Messiah came in the book of Acts. Matter of fact, I'll go to Acts chapter 4 right now. If you guys want to help me on that board, if you got it on. Acts chapter 4 and in verse 19. Now you know the events that preceded this. In Acts chapter 3, with the miracle of the healing of the lame man at the gate beautiful, he was raised up. Of course, there were charges that were leveled against uh, Peter and John, and uh, they were brought basically to court, and they were threatened, they were beaten. And then in uh, verse 19 it says, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old of whom... His miracle of healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own country and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God. Now they're praying unto God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God. That's a good one in the scripture right there, isn't it? Which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is who by the mouth of thy servant David, so that's saying that he wrote this psalm, has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. So that's telling us that that anointed one that is referred to in Psalms 2 is the Christ, the Messiah. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. For the truth, for of a truth against the holy child Jesus. And then in verse 29, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of the Lord or the name of the holy child, Jesus. 
Praise the Lord. I want you to see here that there were those that were in opposition. They beat them. They threatened them to never preach in that name again. There were folks that were resisting the truth then, and they're still resisting it now. Amen. But the end of the story is this, is that the Lord stretched forth his hand and began to do mighty miracles. And we read of those miracles on and on throughout the book of Acts, things that the Lord began to do at the hands of these apostles and their prayers. God worked. What are you trying to say? The heathen rages, but God still reigns. God's still in control. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the devil accuses. It doesn't matter how he tries to intimidate. God is still in control. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In verse 4 of Psalms 2, he says that he laughs at these people as they, as they began in their rage and spewing out their hostilities against God and his people as though they are some great one. Their arrogance of thinking that they're in control of even their own life. He laughs at that. Amen. Reminds me of the scripture that said, The Lord is not mocked. Amen. But whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. They may rage and shake their fist in the face of God. They may do things contrary to his word. And it may seem like that they are getting by. And that is probably one of the most difficult things for us to get our minds around. Is why isn't God passing judgment on that? Why isn't God taking care of that? Why isn't God standing up against Why isn't God doing something to make... I know that's not proper English, but why isn't God doing something to stop that? The advancement of evil. You know why? First of all, evil's in this world because of men's choices. Not because God causes it to happen. Man causes it to happen. So don't put the blame on God. Second of all, the Bible tells me in the book of 1 Corinthians that heresies must come so that they that are approved may be manifest. In other words, there's going to be false doctrines. There's going to be false religions. There's going to be God-haters. There's going to be movements. And we're living in that day. There's going to be fear mongers that are going to put their pressure on the church. And we're seeing that begin to happen right here in America. You know, in Canada, you can't say one word against homosexuality from a pulpit. Because you could be, that's hate speech, you could be placed in jail. And it's getting that way here in America. Amen? And even I even feel a reluctance now for people to even say amen because we gradually have become accepting of some of that. I'm going to tell you, it's still contrary to the Word of God. And the heathens are able to rage, but the church has got to put a sock in their mouth. The Christians have got to sit back and cross their arms and be silent. Amen. I don't believe you ought to be ignorant. But I, I don't believe that you ought to sit back in your spiritual recliner and say, just rail and run over us. I don't believe that's the answer either. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
What are you saying we do? I'm saying somebody ought to start pleading the blood. Somebody better tap into some intercessory prayer. Somebody know, better know what it is to be filled with the Holy Ghost and walk in the fear of God. Somebody better set out to teach their children because this world's going to indoctrinate them if you're not careful when it comes to this issue. Praise the Lord. He said they, they arrogantly laugh in verse 4. And then in 9, it says, he says that he could dash them like pottery, pieces of pottery. He said what you need to do, and we're getting around to that blessing. He said, be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, O ye judges of the earth. Be wise. Be instructed. No matter how elevated you get, whether you're a king or a judge, it doesn't matter. You need to be able to receive instruction. Amen? No matter how high you get lifted up, be able to receive instruction. When God advances you and you're no longer making minimum wage, but you're suddenly making a good living, don't fail to be instructed. When you achieve some goals in life and you make it to a certain point that you've been striving for, don't, don't fail to be instructed. Kings and judges still have to be instructed, the Bible says. And then he said, serve the Lord with fear. Now, sometimes when we see that word fear, we, we think of it, this is in verse 11, I believe, we think of this as being intimidation, but that's not what God is trying to say. He's trying to tell us to respect, to hallowed something. Amen. We need some good old wholesome respect to be revived in America in the church, in us. Could I get even more specific? You, all of us, need this. It needs to be revived in us from time to time. Respect for God's house. Respect for God's anointed. Respect for His Word. Respect, amen. You know, we can become so accustomed of coming and going from this house that we fail to respect it like we should. I'm going to tell you, we can even be in a church service when preaching is going forth. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing. When, when preaching of the Word of God is going forth, that's a, that's a hallowed time. That's a special time. We need to be engaged in it. We need to be focused upon it. And if we're not careful, we can be doing everything but. We can be clowning around on our telephone. We can be going in and out a half a dozen times unnecessarily. We can... We can be zoned out or writing notes or talking to somebody next to us or whatever. There's multiple distractions that the devil can use. None of them are good for us. We need to have a respect for that. We need, you need to teach your children to have a respect for this house. Amen. Not, not just be disregarding of it. We need to treat it good. Praise the Lord. It's not a place to throw down your wrappers and throw your trash and, and 
We're trying to keep this place respectable because this is where we meet with God. And this is a hallowed place. And then it said, rejoice, rejoice. The Bible tells me that the way to serve God is to serve Him with gladness. Amen. And singleness of heart. Is that what it said? It said with gladness and singleness. There must be a correlation between the two. You cannot serve the Lord with gladness if you've got all of these other pressures in your life. That's why you've got to prioritize at some point. And so you know what the main thing for me is, is I'm going to serve God and I'm going to be happy serving God. Amen. This is not, as my father said tonight, a drudgery. This is not a duty. This is not an obligation. This is my, where my blessing is. This is where I get to worship God. I get to be a part of his church. He shed his blood for me. He washed me of my He gave me the greatest gift in all the world, the Holy Ghost. Oh, if you're thankful for that, why don't you stand to your feet, raise your hands to him, and let's praise him right now. Thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Serve the Lord. I'm going to be happy about it. I'm going to be glad about it. I'm thankful I got the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful I've been set free. I'm thankful to be washed in the blood. The heathen can rage on, but I'm going to be happy. They can get angry, but I am going to be glad in the Lord. And the siege of Bastille, Bastille, the prison, I don't know how you pronounce it, the prison in Paris that was taken over by French revolutionaries uh, rose up and was going to set those people free. And in the midst of all of that, there was one of them that crawled up on top of, of uh, Notre Dame Cathedral and was going to remove or did remove the cross from the steeple or one of the steeples and threw it down in the street where it would be broken in a thousand pieces. And there was one little peasant man that was standing down there. He looked up and he said, what are you doing? And the man said to him, he said, we're going to pull down everything that reminds you of God. And that little citizen replied back. He said, then pull down the stars. <laughs> How arrogant. We're going to pull down everything. I'm going to tell you, all I got to do is go outside and take a deep breath of fresh air. And I realize there's a God in heaven. I don't need your proof. I don't need you to tell me anything. You rage on. Amen. But I'm going to believe in God. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to put my faith in him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The fool has said in his heart that there is no God. I think the wisest thing that you can ever do in life is to acknowledge, first of all, there is a God and I'm not Him. Amen. And I am going to serve Him with all of my heart. Come on, raise your hands and let's worship Him again. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice.